This episode is brought to you by Milne Feeds. Milne Feeds have been the leading provider of livestock feed in WA for over 100 years and is now proudly servicing the NT too. Their early weaner product is a nutritionally balanced pellet for feeding to pastoral calves and young weaners and has been developed with their high fibre technology to reduce the risk of acidosis. Milne Feeds also have a range of products available for beef and dairy cattle, sheep and horses. Find out more at milne.com.au. Central Station Podcast, where we bring you stories of what life in the outback is really like and why many wouldn't live anywhere else. So pull up a stump, pop the billy on, or crack a cold one as we talk to the men and women who call some of the most remote parts of Australia home. be honest. We love to judge. It's second nature to take someone at face value and make assumptions about them. In social science, this phenomenon is called schema. Schema are mental structures that an individual uses to organize knowledge and guide cognitive processes and behavior. So what that means is that we use schema to categorize objects and events based on common elements and characteristics and thus interpret and predict the world. So, for example, you see a man in a dark alleyway holding a knife and he's got his hoodie on. So instead of having to stop and think about it and process exactly what you're seeing, because of schema, you're able to immediately think, oh, this doesn't look too good. Danger. Here's the thing, though. While face value assumptions can be helpful, they can also be counterproductive and even destructive. Take Danielle Hay. At first sight, we see this gorgeous blonde woman, beautifully dressed with nice jewellery, her hair, makeup and nails done. The kind of woman who stands out in a crowd with her bubbly laugh and unfiltered comments, especially as she spends 10 months of the year living and working in some of the most remote parts of Australia in a job which does not exactly require any sort of style. It's pretty easy to make assumptions about Danielle. What she's like, what her life is like, and what kind of person she is. But the hair, makeup, and laughter isn't an act. Danielle is as authentic as they come, and in this episode, I sat down with her to learn more about the real Danielle and why we should not judge this book by her cover. Welcome, Danielle, to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Okay, so as I ask at the beginning of most episodes, what are you watching, reading, or listening to at the moment? Or all three, if you like. Um, so, obviously, this podcast to listen yep. to. We do a lot of traveling. Good work. Five, yeah. Four points. <laughs> we do a lot of traveling, so I do listen to a lot of podcasts and always open for new suggestions. But I am loving Just the Gist, Motherland, Crime Junkie, Wild Spark, and The Deep. Yes. Okay. So Wild Spark, another Cuddle Station podcast from yes, Shardy. Shardy. Episode 20-something, I'll put in the links below. Um, so Shards has, yeah, a great podcast from Midi Bar Station and Motherland is pretty cool. It's all rural mothers. Yes. Um, what's the, do you say in the deep? Uh, the deep. deep. Yeah. Yes, what's that yeah. about? Um, it's a bit of everything. It's with Zoe Marshall and she, oh, she touches on so many different stories but it just goes very deep into conversations about there's been so many different things so it's really interesting cool yes yeah okay i'll have to go look that one up yeah so we've got a fair bit to talk about today and i suppose with a lot of episodes i start at the beginning um we're kind of going to go through a couple of things that have happened in your life but more have a conversation about you but let's just start off with a bit of context can you tell me about your childhood and what, what it was like growing up for you? 
I grew up on the Gold Coast with my mum and my brother, my little brother. And, um, you know, we bounced around from school to school with um, mum getting different jobs at each end of the town and, you know, weren't really settled too much. So how many kids are there in your family? Just my brother and I. Just you. And what kind of things did you do as a child? Like what were your hobbies or what were you interested in? Uh, when I was quite sporty when I was younger, so I played for uh, the Queensland team for touch football and basketball, um, and I I stayed doing that for a few years. But yeah, no, we you kind of when you get older and you kind of lose interest <laughs> and yeah, move on to something new and more exciting. Did you have any ideas growing up what you wanted to do? I did want to be a police officer. Really? Yes. Cool. I can imagine yeah. you in that role. I feel yeah. like you're very assertive. I uh, no, it 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 really appealed to me in so many ways. But then I had a motorbike accident when I was younger, and um, it stopped me from being able to do that. I was saying I was 14 at the time. Yeah. yeah, and had pins and screws put in my right leg, so I'm not able to run like I used to be able to. Oh, and okay. Yeah, so it kind of stopped me in my tracks there. Yeah, and so did you? Once that happened, did you have any other ideas of like anywhere else that you were aiming to go? I dibble dabbled in multiple different things trying to figure out what I wanted to do after that and you know I finished school and then yeah I just I had no idea no idea but I I was a girly type kind of person and I wanted something that was fun and exciting and adventurous I moved out and started off in the big world on my own and um, then started working for my mum um, managing her traffic control business that was all girls at the time. She started it up from scratch and um, just thought she'd try something new. <laughs> and uh, she went, we did all our courses and our qualifications and then went out there looking for work. And, yeah, it was all girls in a male-dominated industry and it just took off, skyrocketed. So, like, kind of being like the lollipop, yeah. like, ladies, <laughs> yeah. I guess, or men? Pretty um, much, And yeah. on the two-way kind of way, you know, stop yeah. waving people through. Yeah, kind it's of. more like construction sites and, um, like, roadworks and, yeah. and things like that. Yeah, development and, yeah, so it was, a, yeah, it was just males everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And so your mum, what was it like watching your mum to say, hey, I want to try this and just, you know, as an adult and just completely go and do something. Like she had to go and get learn all about it, get qualifications. Like that must be pretty impressive to have a mum like that. Oh, absolutely. She's a very inspiring woman. She's um, anything she puts her mind to, uh, she has achieved. She has – she went and did her research and um, – looked like you know it wasn't a decision that she made overnight like it was months of planning and um yeah once she started you couldn't stop her I just think that's so cool because I I feel a lot of us have this idea of oh I can't go do something new or especially later on in life like that's a big thing maybe if you come out of school and you wanted to start off and it work your way up but to be in your whatever decade of life she was in and be like hey I'm gonna do something completely new not only something completely new that I have no experience in but that's in a male-dominated industry and, mm. yeah. Yeah, no, it was. She, I don't even know where she got the idea from, but she made it work <laughs> and she definitely smashed it out of the park. So tell me about um, your job as working in traffic control. Um, It was interesting, but you wouldn't catch me much out on the road. It was more in the office and helping get the work and doing the invoicing and, you know, looking after the staff and hiring. And yeah, that was, that was like my end of the, end of the deal. And so you said before that you're quite girly and you were looking for something quite exciting to do and where you could kind of embrace that side of your personality how did that work with the traffic controlling did you find you're able to express yourself or was it just kind of you know where you fluoros and and just kind of plain face and just helmet on and work boots and no it was something that I thoroughly enjoyed in that respect being able to do it was something different every day you know you weren't doing the same thing every day um and 
I was out there recruiting work. So, you know, we'd just rock up at a work site and go and talk to the boss. And, really? Yeah, and just see, you know, put yourself out there and get your details out there. And, yeah, so we did a lot of that together, Mum and I. That takes guts yes. to just rock up, yeah. kind of like a cold call, but yeah, in yeah. person. Yeah, and it worked nearly every time. So, no, it was good. I think it was just the fact that two women were approaching, um, you know, even having the guts to walk onto this construction site and and approach these workers and these these um, huge companies. Yeah. And how long did you do that for? Oh, gosh. I can't even remember. It was over five years, though. It would have been probably about seven years. Wow. Mm, and it was a long time. And it was at one of these construction sites that you met your husband? Yes. Or future husband? Yes. Tell yes. us about that. Everyone yeah. loves a good, good story. <laughs> Tell us all the details. He is a cowboy from the country and he'd come to the beach. He has come up from Tamworth looking, he's running an asphalt company and looking for traffic controllers for their works in the Gold Coast. And um, I had to go and meet with him multiple times to discuss you know, locations and what was required of us. And then, um, you know, we got talking and it was very quiet and it's very intimidating man. Um, but I was persistent and kept harassing him. And <laughs> really, <laughs> I, for once in my life, had to chase another man. I never had done that before. I was just, yeah, just go with the flow kind of person. And then, yeah, he something about him appealed to me and I couldn't let him go because he's eight years older than me. So he was like, you're too young, you know, you need to have fun. You should be worrying about a relationship and give me this big lecture. But no, I was persistent and I, it might have taken months, but I got there. Good on you. <laughs> and so at the time, that's so you guys had that business in the Gold Coast? Yes. And so you're still – so even though you knew he had country roots, you are both more or less – you know, kind of urban, maybe semi-rural at some point in time, but certainly not anything like where you are today, which yeah. is what we're going to get to soon. Yeah. Well, I'd, I had no idea really until I he took me to his family home and meet all his family and everything, and then I was like, wow, this is so different to what I am used to at the moment. And, um, yeah, it kind of went from there. Yeah, but it, even, I suppose, going from Gold Coast to sort of farming country mm. to where you are today up in the Territory in some of the most remote parts of Australia, that's an even bigger leap. So if you thought that was a bit different when you first yes. got there, you had no idea yes. what was coming. If you asked me 10 years ago if I would be where I am today doing what I'm doing, I would have not have guessed that this like is what, what? what would be. that place exist? Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I was oblivious to dirt roads um let alone everything else that we experience up here so you meet this country boy on the gold coast but you don't know at first that he's a country boy how long did he manage to last up there before you started to realize like this isn't where he's supposed to be uh he only lasted a couple of months and then my place where i was living my apartment in surface paradise uh, was coming up for lease and he's like you can't stay here i can't sleep here it's too loud <laughs> So he said, you know, let's get a place together. And I was like, oh, a bit soon. And he was like, you know, it's okay. We'll be right, you know. So we went and rented a place down in Bar in New South Wales, and it was only on five acres. And then he was like, you know, he had horses and all of that hoo-ha. And then he was like, you know, this is, you know, let's, this is like a year later. He's like, you know, this is not country enough and we need more land. Let's buy something and, you know, let's get bigger and better and, you know, work our way up. So, yeah, we ended up going out to – we drove around for weeks looking for places. And then, yeah, we ended up getting up between Warwick and Toowoomba and finding our big block up there and um, bought it and built our first home together. And so what – were you still doing the traffic controlling at that point? Not for my mum's company. No, I mum sold the business, and then uh, when we when we moved up there, I started working for another like rural company. Um, but it just wasn't the same. Like it wasn't the same kind of business, and it wasn't the same. I just think I lost the passion for it after mum sold the business and we moved on. And I had been doing it for a long time, so yeah, I just wanted to try something new. So what did you try then? And that's when I decided to become a nurse. I sat down with a um, 
like they're like a counselor and they, oh, and you sit down and yeah. you go through you know what you like and you know all about who you are and you know and then it asks you all these different questions and then you decide um then that gives you like lots of different options and um one of my friends had said to me prior I was like you'd make a really good nurse and I never really thought about it before and then yeah I did a lot of research and looked into it and I thought you know what that sounds amazing so yeah I, I tried and did it and completed my degree and um yeah got there in the end so what made you want to go and see a careers counsellor in your mid-20s when you already had I suppose a fairly established career plenty of experience I was lost, I think. I was at the stage where I was like, I'm not happy doing what I'm doing. I've been doing the same thing for so long. I tried my hand at so many different other things, um, including hospitality, event management. Um, I had diplomas in both of those and I tried woodwork and metalwork and welding and all of those different things. And I just, yeah, I was at the stage where I was in I, – I was looking for a career, so and a, and something that I, you know, would be passionate about and would, you know, could continue to do until I was older. Um, so yeah, that's probably one of the main reasons why I went and seen someone to try and point me in the right direction. I just think that's so cool because I don't hear that story story very often that people. You know, I wouldn't say your mid twenties is later on in life, but I think anything out of high school is considered like, or you know, or out of uni, out of uni age, like, or well, you should just know and you just do your job and that's it. Um, but to have that accountability, and I think what I really like about what you were just saying is that while you were trying different things, you were getting qualifications along the way, so that you were still learning and building up that experience, but also having, you know, qualifications aren't everything, but I think it is really handy that you've got those now and you weren't just, I don't know, I just think there's a bit of a difference. And if you just go and try a million different things, but if at the same time you kind of, I don't yeah. know how to explain yeah. that. No, well, I was trying to find what I felt passionate about and I didn't want to be one of those people that would go and get a job and go to all that extent of putting both myself and the employer through something like that and then not enjoying it and then leaving and then, you know, putting everybody out. So I kind of wanted to be sure... And I also wanted a career. I just didn't want just a job. I wanted something that I felt strongly about. And I loved helping people. So, you know, it was kind of it was kind of my calling, really. So you've got your block in Queensland. What was Anthony doing at that point in time? Uh, we had a couple of tippers um, and excavators and bobcats. Okay. So he was operating them. We had somebody else operating the, operating the others. And, yeah, he was out and about everywhere. Okay, so he's got his thing. You've just gone to uni and done nursing. Did you actually get to practice nursing before your life kind of – you had this massive change in your life? And Well, I actually fell pregnant with our first son, Heath, um, just, well, throughout doing my – yeah, degree, yeah. yes, yep. Um, and then he came early, so I had to stop. Uh, probably halfway through and um, once he was about I think he was about three months old I went back and had to finish and do all my prac and I was pumping milk at work in the, my lunch breaks and- that's even more impressive it's I think it's hard <laughs> enough to go back to school when you're a little bit older you've got a life and a family and and then to have a child and then go back like that's yeah. even yeah. Especially like a brand new baby, that's yeah. incredible. It was it was extremely hard to leave him and to do that because um, he, you know, didn't sleep, so you had to put him. You, I was still looking after him at night time and that, but yeah, pumping and you know, ringing up to see if he's okay, and you know, you have to do weeks of prac work before yeah. you can become a nurse, and it's part of your part of your degree. So yeah, it had to be done, and I had to do it. And so when you finished, did you go into practicing? Yes, I did. I was for probably a couple of years and then Anthony came along. Uh, He was – we ended up hiring out all of our equipment because he just was sick of doing that as well and he went and worked up in the Northern Territory with a drilling company and um, did that for a while and then come back to me one day and said, hey, let's buy this business. And, um, yeah, it was Maranjai water drilling and that's pretty much where it all began. So you've, 
I just want to build this picture though. You've got your nice home in Queensland now, like you're building a home, you've got your property, you've got your degree, building a career, first baby. You kind of just think like you've got some idea of where life is going because you're kind of settled. And yes. then next minute. <laughs> I was very settled. Yeah. I was very happy. Everything was running smoothly. And <laughs> Anthony threw a firecracker in the works. Yeah. He's Literally. like, actually, yes. let's just pack I up and I want room. a bit more. <laughs> And so what did you know about water drilling at the time? And also, can you just take us through what, I guess, what you know now? I didn't know anything about water drilling. I was oblivious. I didn't know. I didn't even know how much equipment, like, I didn't know how much we were going to be paying, you know, for this business. I didn't know what we were going to be getting paid. It was everything about this was new to me. And it was a whole new lot of things that I had to learn. He may as well have said, like, let's go farm elephants. Well, like- that probably would have been easier. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Yeah, know. like, wow. <laughs> but, you yeah, know, he, yeah, he, he knew a lot about it and he had done his, um, you know, all his licensing and everything. You know, he'd been in the construction industry all of his life, so he – knew all about it he knew it and he'd been actually working for this particular company for months so yeah he knew you know everything they needed to know but yeah I had no idea and um yeah once he threw me in and we now been doing it for six years so you know the first year is always the hardest in business so just learning the ropes and and getting it like the name was known in the territory in Queensland and up here but it wasn't we were new owners. We were coming, you know, nobody knew us. So it, in this industry, it doesn't matter what you are, it's who you are. Yes. And, yeah, everybody, once everybody got to know us and gave us a go, like there were so many um, stations that were like, you know, we trusted Danny and that's who owned the business prior and we know he wouldn't sell it to some fool and, um you know, we, we know we trust him, so we're willing to give you a go. And pretty much all the stations gave us a go the first time, and ever since then, they've been coming back. So what is involved in water drilling? Like, what is it that you guys actually do? So we install water bores for remote cattle stations and um, farmers and they're, they're our main points of um, business, but pretty much it's the, uh, so much of drilling, um, going in, setting up, drilling the hole, uh, and then once you've hit water, you then case the hole with um, like steel casing or PVC, um, whichever the stations would like, um, and then you test the hole to make sure and test and um, develop it to make sure that it's all working. And then um, they come along and they put um, their pumps or however they want to set it up. They That's what they do from there. So that's so different from what you were doing in Queensland. Absolutely. I had never been out of pretty much the Gold Coast. Like I, I knew the city life. You thought you're in the sticks like out yeah. near Warwick. You yes. had no idea. Yeah, I thought, oh, my gosh, I can't see the neighbours in Warwick. They're miles away, but up here they're hours away. So what was it like? That, so Anthony had come up here working for a few months um, before the opportunity to purchase the business presented itself and you'd stayed down in Queensland. What made you – did he, did he bring you up before you guys no. decided to buy the business? No, no. you just – no. Blind faith. <laughs> yes, absolutely. He just came to me and said, you know, this is what they do and, you know, showed me pictures. That doesn't do it any justice. You know, and he's like, it can be really fun and we can meet new people and, you know, and it's an adventure. Pretty much when he hit me with that, it's an adventure um, and every day will be different and it, he wasn't lying. That definitely had me very curious. Did you always plan to come up and work with him or did you ever think that you would stay down in Queensland, keep nursing, kind of raise the kids and he would kind of be like FIFO? Yes, that was the plan. We were, that was the original agreement between us when we purchased the business. And, um, cause, you know, I've only been nursing for a year or so. So I really wanted to keep doing that. And I, cause I loved it and I had a great job. 
you know, we had a house, we had a farm, like we didn't have a huge farm, but we still had our horses and cows and dogs and chickens. And, and just pictures up on the wall and yeah, knickknacks on the shelves. staying and at home and not having to move every day. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was the plan. And I think it was about three months down the track. And Anthony said, look, I felt the same way because we were missing him. Our son was only one. He was missing his dad. You know, he was missing all those important milestones in their life as well. So that's when he said, you know, why, why don't you come up? We can save money. You can be the cook and, you know, you can help out when needed and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, okay, I said, I'll give it five years. First of all, I said, I'll give it to the end of the year because this is about June when he hit me up. Um, and then I'm like, I'll give it to the end of the year. And pretty much when the end of the year come around, I said, you know, if we make some adjustments and some changes to the living quarters and do this and that, then I think I can do this. And I said, but I give it five years. That's, that's my cutoff. And now we're coming into our sixth year. <laughs> that's worked out real well for you. Yeah. So take me through what does life on a drilling rig all that kind of business, what does it look like for you? Like, how do you live? What, what does the work involve? But I guess most, yeah. So when you first came up there, like what, where did you live? How, how did you live? Well, we, and how does that compare to today? Well, every year you make adjustments to suit for the next year. So like, you know, Heath got older, so you needed a bigger bed or, you know, more room or more cupboard space or, you know, you kind of make adjustments over the year. Plus, you know, money's obviously very tight in the first years of owning such a massive, expensive business um, with massive expenses to come along with it. So, you know, if something broke, it wasn't just, you know, a couple of hundred dollars here. It was a couple of thousand and, you know, it was really hard to juggle at first being new business owners for something like this um but pretty much we have two road trains we've always had two road trains um one pulls four trailers and the other pulls three trailers and on the back of the trailers we've got a living quarters that have been um two shipping containers that have been converted into living quarters. So we have on one shipping container is a bathroom, the laundry and our bedroom. So we all sleep in the same bedroom together. Um, and then on the other shipping container, which is like right across from it, it has the kitchen and um, the office area slash playroom. Um, and then on another trailer, we have our, um, our worker has like his room with, you know, just pretty much bed and cupboards in it and a TV. And then we've since over the years, um, now got a governess and she has her own room and we have a school room and they're all next to each other. So when you were saying you've got the shipping conta- containers across from each other, does that mean you can fit two side by side on a trailer? Yeah. So one trailer. Yeah. So one trailer. So they kind of like, open up to each other oh okay yeah 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 so it's yeah kind of just got this deck area as we call it nice you know sun ourselves and so was that set up the first time you came up there yes that's how it's always been but it hasn't been as what's the word developed yeah yeah developed so so was that something you bought when you bought the business that came with that no we made that okay so did so did anthony when you anthony had been up there for three months and he's like did he have that or was it was it when he was like i want you to come up that you were like well i need somewhere to live no he had it all set up it was only at that stage it was just the two shipping containers and then one end was yeah, our bedroom and that. And then the other end was our workers' room and the kitchen. So I didn't really have anywhere space to go anywhere. Um, so then the, he built all that before he left with everything um, from scratch all on his own um, with some help with some friends of ours. And then once we finished that first year and we bought everything home, I said, you know, we Heath and I need space. You know, he needs a room to play and... Um, I need somewhere to work and do all the office work. So we ended up converting that first room that the worker was in into our office playroom, and then he built another room for our worker on another trailer. Have you ever seen that that TV show Tiny Homes? Yes. So it's kind of like Tiny Homes but on the back of a road train. Yeah, and with shipping containers, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. And do you do you run off a generator? Like, how do you get electricity? Because yes. obviously you've got. Please tell me you've got aircon or fans. Oh yes, or- yes. <laughs> all our bedrooms, including like the governess's room and our workers' room, we all have air conditioning. The kitchen doesn't, and the bathroom doesn't, but our bedrooms all do, and the office does. Yes, you can't live up here without aircon. Huh. No. Um, but then we have four generators. So, you know, one generator for the drilling, one generator to run the camp, another one for a backup, another one for welding. You know, we can't have generators everywhere and it's, you pretty much use them all. So in your previous life in the traffic control, um, game, so you said you kind of did more of the admin and the, um, the getting clients and work rather than kind of being out being the lollipop woman. But even mm-hmm. then, I suppose, even if you had been, so you're kind of exposed to that sort of construction, uh, construction, like what word did I just say <laughs> to that construction, you know, primary industries kind of, you know, trades, whatever, all, you know, dirt, dust, all that kind of stuff. But then you go on to nursing um, and then you come out here. How was that? You would have had to learn, I'm guessing, I'm guessing now you know how to fix the Jennies, you know, service the Jennies. Um, mm, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> I know how to fill it up. <laughs> well, that's all you know. But I guess you, you would have had to learn like how to turn it on and yes. fill it up and, and yeah, then all yes. those sorts of things out there. Yes. So yeah. that would have been so different, even though you'd kind of, you know, been out and dirty industry. <laughs> yes yeah oh it is a total different life um doing this it was yeah you know i didn't know that you could run a, a place off a generator you know i just saw you turn the light on and it works yeah. you know the lights come on <laughs> like excuse me where's the nearest power line yeah yeah pretty much um <laughs> need you know, a really long extension cord <laughs> yeah and you had to be well prepared like we do have massive diesel tanks um we have massive water tanks um you know we have tanks for um showering and then we have tanks for drilling so it's all kind of different water and then we have yeah tanks for drinking and um yeah then you know back up diesel and and so what do you do on the drilling side of things on the drilling side of things, I have, can pretty much do it all now too. Um, my husband is a driller, so, you know, I assist him whenever he needs me. Um, but, yeah, I help pull the rods. I help put them down. I help set up. I help pack up. You know, I help get it all ready. And, and then when he wants something, he yells out. <laughs> what do you find the most interesting about drilling? And this line of work? It's always the unknown. So you can have the area divined. Um, a lot of the stations like to have the area divined. Some don't and just pick a spot and say, here you go. Um, but, you know, you never know. Like they can say, oh, you know, there's water there, but you don't know how much and you don't know when you're going to hit it. So it's more, you know, drilling and the suspense of waiting to see, do we get water? Is there water? You know, and you see the different soils change um, as the further you go down. Everywhere's different too, all the different soils, all the way down, all the different colours. And, yeah, it's very interesting in that respect too. But, yeah, sitting there waiting to see if you hit water um, is the part that I think is, yeah, the best. So, aside from being, I suppose, like Anthony's offsider, and I know you do a lot of like the admin side, the business side as well, but yes. the, so you can do all the drilling stuff as well. You also drive one of the rigs though. Yeah. So, how long did you, did you guys last before you were like, okay, I have to like. He's been, he has been trucking. His dad had been in the trucking industry. So, Anthony had, you know, grown up around trucks. And I think, you know, when he could get it, he had his truck license. And then he pestered me from the beginning pretty much, you should get your truck license. This is before we even bought the business. And I'm like, I don't think so. You know, I barely like driving a ute, let alone <laughs> something that big. And um, he pestered me for a while there. And then we had instances where our worker, um, you know, was sick or something and then we're stuck. So we had to get someone from the station to come out and give us a hand to bring the truck back in and because, you know, I didn't know how to. And then he was, I think that happened once and then he was like, no, that's it, you get your truck license kind of thing. And I was like, I was so scared, no idea what I was getting myself into. And it's like not just four gears, there's multiple gears. Yeah, it's like (laughs) 
I don't know, 16, 18. Like, yeah, there's a lot. Box then there's drive. like the splitters and yeah. then the little, and then the other little button thing. Yes. And yeah, it is. It was, it was, um, definitely nothing I ever dreamt of doing. And then, yeah, I started off. He pretty much threw me in the deep end and goes, here you go, let's go. Kind did, of was he your teacher? For a little bit. Yeah. But then we ended up no did killing that, each other. I was about to say, did that test the relationship? <laughs> he he doesn't have any patience when it comes to me. So it, um, it and then I, you know, I don't really like being told what to do by him. So <laughs> we kind of, it was a couple of weeks and I was like, nah, I can't do this. Get your dad up here. Cause his dad is actually, um, a, a trainer driver. Oh, cool. Yes. Yeah. So he'd been doing that for years too, for multiple different companies yeah. or for, for, um, the council and then for different people. And yeah. So, he came up and he pretty much taught me. I did a lot of teaching to myself too because Anthony would go, you know, he'd show you the basics and then you just go yeah. because you're in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing there. Um, you're not going to hurt anyone or hurt yourself or break anything. <laughs> Maybe you, just- but I'm pretty sure I could. <laughs> like, Steph, there's one tree on this whole, like, 20-kilometre paddock. Like, how did you manage to hit it? <laughs> I was pretty lucky. Have I've have over the years. Um yeah. but yeah, no, in the beginning he just kinda said, you know, take it for a drive, you know, get to learn. Was this you with know, no trailers on? So just, yeah, just the trucks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um it was just a matter of what I found with driving a truck. It was just a matter of learning um the revs. Yeah. That's that's I think is the hardest thing to learn about driving a truck. It's not, you know, you know, where the gears are or anything, they're all pretty much in the same spot as a normal manual. Yeah. But it's a matter of getting your revs right when you go up and Otherwise, revs right when you come down. Nothing worse than when you go to change a gear and it just doesn't and you're yes. like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like. So, and, you know, at the right speed and, yeah, yeah. So once I got that down packed, I was fine. Everything else just flowed it was actually quite easy in the end like at, at the beginning it was very hard because I had no idea what I was doing but yeah. the more practice I had um it only took me probably a couple of months and I was off to get my license what about when you added the trailers on though um it, it was easier really I felt uh I don't know I think it's because you're heavy and you can't go as fast mm-hmm. and you know so when you change gears, when you've got no load on, you kind of just zipping through your gears. Yeah. Um, so your revs are not very high, but if you've got, you know, a massive load on the back of you, you've got to try and definitely line up those revs, but it's a lot heavier and it kind of, I don't know, it kind of just flows more easily, more softly. Yeah. And so you and Anthony have featured on a TV show called Outback Truckers, which I'm pretty sure is Channel 7. Yes. How did all that come about and what was your experience like on that? How long had you been driving trucks for before you well, made it onto TV? Beef, I hadn't even started driving when they filmed our first episodes of Outback Truckers. I actually dobbed in our friend and um, who was working for us at the time, Wayne, and um, I dobbed him in and said, you know, I've got this great guy. would be so good on TV and you should, you know, it kind of backfired on me and they <laughs> rang up and said, um, you know, we'd actually really like to get you guys as a family unit because they'd obviously done a bit of research on us and yeah. they they really loved the concept of this family on the road with two road trains and their worker and their son and, you know, travelling these roads and doing what we do and they really wanted to get a story. So they came the first time and I think they did one episode out of that and then, yeah, pretty much since then it's been an ongoing thing for the last I think this is our fifth year. We just... Wow. Yeah. And so what's that like? You know, I think a lot of us, well, whether or not we admit it, you know, watch like The Bachelor or, you know, any of those reality shows. What is it like actually being following around with TV cameras and trying to actually do your job? Um, The first, probably the first two years, it was really daunting. And, you know, I I didn't have much self-confidence. So it was like the first time you see yourself on TV, like, oh, my God, I look disgusting and... (laughs) what was I wearing and why did I have my hair like that? And, you know, you kind of just doubt yourself. And then the second time you're like, you don't, you don't know what they're going to air either. So you don't know. They, they film you for weeks and then it's only 15 minutes. So they cut and paste and move everything around. So it's, you know, uh, 
it's very daunting at first. But then once you start, like after we've done the second um, season, it got a lot easier and it kind of just, yeah, just be yourself and don't even worry that they're there really. But we've kept, we became good friends with them. So it kind of all the cameramen and the directors and um, their drivers and that we became friends with them. So they usually like to send the same ones every year to you. So it's not like you have to try and, you know, get used to this new person next to you that is like a fly and everywhere you go, you don't even know that they're there sometimes or they've got these hidden places. (laughs) So yeah, it was, um, it was interesting, but then I just found like people love what we do and where we go and who we are. Like we are who we are and we didn't need to put on a front and didn't need to be anyone else. We just were ourselves and we still are. And yeah, people love it. So that's what I want to ask you about. How was it moving from Queensland to the territory? So you've made this huge leap in what you do and how you guys are living, but also community wise, it's brand new people that you're just fish out of water, didn't know anybody. Um, so just adjusting to life in, you know, and you're, I guess you're seeing people not very often or when, when you're rocking up to a station, but just that big adjustment. Cause it can be, it can be fairly clicky up here Absolutely. depending where you go, but then yeah. also within a year or two you're on TV. So also, so you've just come from nowhere and the next minute you're on TV as well. Like did that yeah. make things harder? Do you think? Um, no, I think it made it better. Yeah. Yeah. Cause everyone knew who we were and they, once everyone met us and got to know us anyway, they realized that we're genuine people like Anthony's used to run stations back in his day too and he's a cowboy you know he'll get in there and if we're must if they're mustering on a station we'll stay there for a couple of days and muster with them so you know we tried to get involved with a lot of events um that were on so then we got to meet new people and then they got to see us not as workers but as friends and yeah at first it was really hard like the first couple of years it was really hard but um once yeah once our name got out there and people start like a lot of people talk up here you know there might be hundreds of k's from each other as neighbors but everybody knows everybody up here and um i don't i don't think it's so much clicky it was just a matter of people realizing or even just getting to know us and yeah we've been welcomed with open arms everywhere pretty much that's it's, so good to hear. Yeah, it is. It's great. And people up here are so friendly and kind and loving. And, yeah, we've made friends now all over the Northern Territory, Western Queensland, um, Western Australia, um, that we call, like, family now. So, yeah, it was, it was hard at first, but now it's, yeah, it's fun. Well, we're pretty much booked out before we even start every year. Like, the whole year's booked out. Um, obviously, we things change on a daily basis but yeah it was I think once they realized that we did a good job and that we're quick we're really fast um and that yeah we'll come back and we'll help if you need help um you know if you've got a collapsed bore and we're on the other side of the northern territory you know we'll we'll do that for our clients um yeah just race across overnight kind of thing or for couple of days usually it takes you to get anywhere up here yeah but um especially in the road trains yes yeah so you know once we've once we're in we're we're in yeah yeah and so that's it's one thing with the people that you're conversing with face to face on a daily basis and building those relationships with but going on outback truckers has opened you up to well pretty much the world but certainly australia um and online an online audience how has that experience been? I know you've copped a bit of flack or had some comments from people. Yeah, most people are supportive. Um, I think more when I've started to receive not so much negative feedback, but I think it was more more jealousy than anything, and it's all come from men, no women. Oh, I can't believe how supportive women are to each other yeah. in this kind of industry. Um, but, yeah, it's mainly men that have um, – I think, you know, they're not used to someone that looks good and likes to present themselves nicely and I'm so bubbly and, yeah, I laugh loud and, um, you know, I try and make every day different. But, yeah, a lot of them I think maybe felt a bit intimidated um, that a woman was doing something that, that 
they could as well and probably better than some of them. So, you know, most most people have been really supportive um, and have been 100% behind me and, yeah, definitely back me up. But, there, yeah, you do get the odd few that like to be keyboard warriors and, um, you know, say some nasty, not-so-nice things to you um, that really is uncalled for because I haven't don't even know don't, don't even know us they just going off a tv show show yeah. yeah which is put together like it's not the same thing all day you know it's an same, edit yeah it's a construct yeah, yes that's right so yeah they kind of don't get that either and they also don't get what we do and where we are because some of them are like how can you get stuck out there or how can you get stuck like that and you say well mate I'm not driving on a bitumen road there's no highways here you know, so I think once a lot of them get to actually see, you know, where we are and what we do, then, yeah, it's a big wake-up call to a lot of people. So in addition to these keyboard warriors that are watching the edited version of you on a TV show and making their judgments, I think you probably can be a target for some additional judgment because of your presentation, which is fabulous, by the way. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's very different to what... I think the norm is for when we're seeing anything to do with trucking or even women in rural industries or um, construction jobs or anything. So let, I just want to – oh, this is a podcast and, you mm-hmm. know, we'll have a picture up when we post it, but people, when they're listening, aren't going to know maybe what you look like. So let's go through, Danielle, yeah. and, and what the things are that make people, you know, that can help pe- – well, that lead people to jump to some conclusions. Um, I'm not your typical – truck driver um i have blonde hair you know i love to wear pink i love to wear matching earrings um i just does anyone ever wear mismatching earrings sorry i had to ask (laughs) i like to no i like to match my earrings to what i'm wearing oh okay yes (laughs) yeah Yeah, no i you know i make sure that i present myself um nicely every day even if we are in the middle of nowhere um you know if you look good you feel good and you know what we do can be so secluded and um in the middle of nowhere so you do try everything you can to not fall into that rut of um and listening to some of these online keyboard warriors um that want to put you down because you look good and you don't look the normal part of a truck driver um like some you know, the picture that's been painted for many years. Yeah, so you've got hair, makeup, jewellery, nails, yes. and then you take pride in what you wear as well. So it doesn't mean, you know, it certainly doesn't seem to affect the quality of the job you're doing, but I Absolutely think not. it's a lot for people to get their head around because we just like to see somebody go, oh, well, you know, if they're, if they're that pretty or if she's got nails, well, she can't be doing the actual, you know, she's not getting mm. any dirt under those nails. But Yeah, well, they they – have this misconception that um, if you're well, I think it's more that a female is is doing these jobs, but you what you can't look good and feel good at the same time whilst doing this dirty work. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's something. It's starting to change a little bit within, I'd say, the cattle industry, but I feel like it was for a period of time. If you wanted to be, or, or for a lot of things in agricultural, rural industries, if you want to be taken seriously. You need to have like a low ponytail, put on your work shirt, no makeup, and just put your cap on and just get into it. Yeah. Um, whereas if you rock up with earrings or um, I don't know, like yeah, like sometimes I like have matching earrings to my bandanas or whatnot. Or yeah. If you kind of try and look a bit feminine, it, it is works against you. Yeah, so I, th- it has in in some ways, but. Yeah, I think they portray me as ditzy and blonde and dumb kind of thing, but really I have that many degrees behind me and a big set of brains in my head. <laughs> um, you know, our business wouldn't be where it is today, not only for my husband but for the work that I've done behind the scenes in, you know, making it happen and um, making it um you know what it is today it going yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. so what do you think is the biggest misconception about you that people have whether it's people that know you in real life or people that just see you on tv or on social media and make these judgments about you um people like to judge me for what i look like before they even get to know me so they might think 
oh, you know, she's a snob or, you know, she's a female that looks like a bimbo, so I'm not going to, you know, bother even giving her a chance or whatever. But, yeah, majority of people, you know, once they – it doesn't take very long and everyone warms to me. And I have, you know, friends everywhere now because I – my husband and I would both go out of our way to do everything and anything for anyone and our friends and family, so – as well as a stranger. So take me through – Obviously, so we've just established that you like to look after yourself and, yeah, um, like to go to work with hair and makeup, jewellery. You know, like you said, if you look good, you feel good. Um, but then you're also out in the middle of nowhere living in a sea container on the back of a truck, <laughs> you know, going to town. You never know when you're going to be in town. You're so far from any services. How do you maintain that and how do you how do you keep that going out there? Uh, online shopping? No. <laughs> well, how do you know where you're supposed to order your yeah, shopping no. to? Like, yeah, that's right. That, you yeah, need a PO box in every town. Yeah. No, we have um, we have a lot of like storage rooms, so I can have you know um, everything I need. Like if I need to put a mask on because I have a pimple or something, I've got that there. If I want to paint my nails, you know, I've got multiple different ones to choose from, or you know. Um, pretty organized in that respect (laughs) (laughs) and what about when you are able to come to town what are the things that you like to do to look after yourself uh when i come to town what i like to do oh well usually there's multiple appointments if we know when we're going to town so it's hair trip nail trip pedicure manicures um facials and then depending where we are and maybe like a little shopping spree and some lunch and some dinners and yeah try and you know try you try and jam so much into these town trips which doesn't happen very often either yeah this year I, um i went over three months without getting my hair done and that was horrible <laughs> I feel like there could be so many people in Melbourne listening to this being like three months, try being in lockdown for six. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, we'll see it was a lot, you know, a lot more laid back in the Northern Territory yeah, once you're in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I want to find out a bit more about you as a person because I think as we've just established, a lot of people just look at you and well not not necessarily a lot of people, but it can be quite easy to look at you and put you in a box and that's who that lady is or we've seen her on TV and whatnot. But let's find out a bit more about you. What are what would you say are your non-negotiables in life? Ah, uh, non-negotiables. Well, I am who I am. Um, I don't play it up or play it down for anyone. Um, I'll tell you exactly how it is and I won't change for anyone. So, you know, my husband says sometimes, do you think he could be a little bit quieter? No, (laughs) no. How do you have the confidence to be yourself though? Do you, does it come back to your childhood? Like I don't know where it changes for so many of us, but at some point as a child for many people, like you grow up being who you are and then at some point you learn it's not okay to be who you are and you need to change and you seem to have been able to avoid that and, have you always been so comfortable um, in your own skin? I have, but I haven't. Like I went through, you know, stages throughout, you know, your teens and in your mid-20s and that where you, you kind of lose confidence and you're like who you are. But um, I think once I've I found Anthony and, um, you know, realize that this life we live is just so amazing and um i've become so happy within myself and who i am um it yeah i'm kind of just one of those people that don't give a crap yeah like not in not so much don't give a crap that might no, go across the wrong way but i you know if you don't like me then that's your fault because you don't know me so yeah that's you know, that's the kind of attitude I'm going to have. I'm not going to, you know, go out of my way to try and please everybody because, you know, people, some people don't like you. But, yeah, um, that's their, that's their fault because I haven't got to know you. I just think there's so many – it's so – like, you know, we can read things or listen to people talking like a TED Talk or whatnot and they can kind of just say these things. But then easier said than done, like how do you, you know – 
you go somewhere, um, let's say you rock up to an event and someone gives you a look or I don't know something or, or you're, or you're walking into just somewhere completely new. Like I, so I, I imagine and from what we've discussed, you know, like you say, you're turning up to an industry event, even if you didn't know many people there, like you're still going to be you, you're still, you know, we can probably hear you laughing from across the room, which yes, is you can. fabulous. So like, how do you, I walk into a room and I'm like, Oh dear God, like, can I leave now? Can I go? Like, how do you I'm like, tell me all your secrets. <laughs> Teach me your ways. I don't, I think it's once you become happy and content in yourself and you don't let anyone else judge you and you don't take that to heart, then you can just continue to be yourself in any situation that you put in. Plus, I love, um, like meeting new people in those different social situations where I can go and, you know, talk to different people and, you know, um, meet new people. But, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know how I got here myself. I think it's just the support of my husband, um, support of my family and friends and just having the confidence just to not give a shit. How has, um, being a mum played into that? Do you think? I think that's helped as well. Like, you know, your kids will look up to you and they, I like your little shadow. So they're there all the time and they're going to grow into, you know, what they're, who they're around all the time. So then you need to set an example and an influence for your kids. Um, so I think that's why I have, and you know, I don't want my kids to be bullied and walked all over and, and, um, treated like that. And I also don't want them to do that to anybody else. So yeah, we, we're going to show them the way, um, by leading by example and, um, making sure that they, you know, are good people as well. Is it, can you tease apart the being more comfortable in your own skin, you know, that growing as you get older and you progress through life, but also can you tease that apart from, um, coming out to do this lightly, you know, something completely new, living so remotely, like, do you know, do you think it's just as you've gotten older, you're more comfortable or do you think being up here and out in the territory in such a different environment has kind of impacted that more? I think being able, being thrown in the deep end for the last, I don't know, decade or more um, has helped me develop who I am today. Um, You never know what's coming around the corner or what situation you're going to be in. So I've had to be adaptable to any situation and I think it's actually helped me grow into who I am today and made me a better person my husband's made me a better person too like he is such a kind gentle soul Um, whereas I was really feisty and I still am feisty but you know I'm more grounded um, because of him so yeah I think that has helped with my development over these. I think he is the main um, instigator of making me who I am today, even if he doesn't know it or even subconsciously I don't know it. But, yeah, I think it was him and my kids that have, yeah, helped me become who I am and helped me become so happy and and comfortable um, with life. Do you ever just stop and think about life Say, so you've been with your husband for 13 years now, so let's say 14, 15 years ago, and what you were doing and what you had achieved, and then just look back and be like, who the hell saw any of that coming? All these, like, and it's not just the trades and the licenses and the certificates and diplomas and degrees, but the things you can actually do, like. Yeah, no, well, I, I didn't even want kids or to be married or, or anything like that before I met Anthony. And, um, yeah, once you met, oh, he throws a spanner in the works all the time with his different ideas <laughs> and that. But yeah, no, I never, never would have dreamt, you know, 15 years ago that I would have been, even 10 years ago when we were together that we'd be, you know, where we are and achieves what we have achieved today together. And yeah, it's, um, definitely not the path that I thought I'd be on. That's for sure. But, you know, I'm handling it really well. What are you most proud of? What am I most proud of? The life that we have created as husband and wife. Um, the, yeah, the life that we've created together and um, 
the achievements that we've made together as a team over the years um, and and him as a human being making me a better person as well. Like I don't believe you should change for anybody and I don't believe I've changed. I feel like I've just developed um, more of who I actually am. And, yeah, I, I, I feel that he is a big part of that and he is the reason why um, I'm so happy. So, yeah, no, he will, I, he, every day in, day out, um, he might drive me mad sometimes, but he is such an amazing man and he makes me so proud to call him my husband and the father of my kids and um, to know that he's there whenever I need him. I think it's, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, powerful maybe, that after, 13 years you still speak and I know maybe 13 is not that long but in today's day and age it kind of is a pretty big milestone um to speak so passionately about your partner yeah well I, I think I love him more and more each year each day um you know I didn't think that was possible either <laughs> I used to look at these people go, oh married same person for the rest of your life oh no but yeah when you find your person they're there and you can't imagine life without them what I've picked up from talking to you, one other thing that I think is really important is that as a family and as you said, as a husband-wife team, you're while you're on this adventure and it's not going to be forever, you're living it as if it is forever and it is your life. So I, I'm just thinking it would be quite easy to say, oh, okay, well, let's go up north for a couple of years, five years. We'll go make some money. We'll go do this. We'll go have this experience and then we'll come back to real life and to settle down in our house, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's very easy to do things like that. I mean, a lot of us do it in life. We go, oh, I'll just go do this job for a few years and then I'll come back. And it's kind of like just a process of getting through those years and just having that experience and whatnot. But I feel like the way you guys are living is that, it's, you know, it's not like, okay, we're just going to do this and then we'll, we'll start living properly when we get back down south and we've got the house and, you know, the kids can go to sports or whatever. Like you're making the most of every day as you've got it now. Like what's the secret to that to not just be like, okay, well, when they get to high school, we'll be back in the city anyway. So we'll just, you know, we'll do all that stuff then and we'll just figure it out later and let's just yeah. get through this now. I just want to get these these bores drilled this year and, you know. Well, we've we look at this as a bigger picture. Like this is – what we're doing and this is who we are and this is you know what we do now um so it's pretty much just let's live life now in the moment let's work hard let's just kick some goals and save and you know create a better life for our kids um and for their futures as well and let's just take it every day as it comes and not every year as it comes but you know let's live in the moment so coming back to those non-negotiables um we said one was you know that you you will be yourself in terms of your family and family life what's a non-negotiable while you're out for these nine ten eleven months a year drilling what's non-negotiable for your family oh gosh um well we like family time like even though we're together all the time we don't get so much where it's just family time so we need to we're trying to step back a little bit and you know spend that quality time with our kids while they're young and you know whilst they need their parents there all the time so yeah step back and and have that actual quality time together what do you do to look after yourself because it's a very physically demanding job and lifestyle and I think mentally demanding the isolation and just being a parent in general no matter where you are that's yeah. demanding <laughs> um so there's a lot of pressures on you you know also and then as a business owner like it's kind of coming at you from all directions and it's not like let's say you were nursing not saying that it's necessarily easier but you know you don't go to work and then come home and you've left work at work like you live at work and it's kind of always and you're all in each other's yes. pockets, like it's it's quite yes. different. How do you balance that and look after yourself so that you, you know, this is 9, 10, 11 months of the year that you've got to do this and you don't want to be sour by March? Well, I don't. I, I have the tendency to put everyone else before myself. So I've it's one thing that I'm working on and trying to do a bit more where I kind of put myself first in, in respect where now I'm, um, 
when I get up in the morning, I have to, and some people like, I need a coffee. Do not speak to me until I have a coffee, but I don't drink coffee, but I have to have a shower and I need to get dressed and, you know, set myself up for the day in that area before anyone could speak to me. It's a little <laughs> bit of me time. Yes, that, that is my me time. Morning showers is my me time because night showers are with the kids and you can barely wash yourself properly with two kids in the shower with you. Um, so, yeah, no, I've, everybody knows this. Morning showers is me time and do not disrupt me. And I don't care what time it is, I'm having a shower in the morning before we move to any other place. Good on you. <laughs> I love that. But, yeah, no, just try and yeah look after myself i'm eating better and um trying to exercise and yeah just um you know taking some time out to to think about me what do you do for exercise out there um well when it happens (laughs) (laughs) once a month yeah (laughs) well we're so busy anyway and i'm so active when it comes to helping anthony drill and everything else some days you're just so exhausted you just want to go and crawl in a ball fair enough yeah Yeah. um and in the air conditioning too but yeah um pretty much just um different because we've got internet now we're able to um, download different hit regimes and different programs that we can follow. Um, my governess and I like to do it together and motivate each other. So that's uh, great. From everything you've experienced, um, I know there'd be so- lots of things, but what's one thing that comes to mind that you've learned along the way? Um, life isn't easy. Yeah. Yeah, life is easy and you need to work hard to achieve what you want um, and what you you need out of life. Um, you know, things don't get handed to you on a silver platter or well, they haven't to us anyway. Um, so, yeah, we've had to work hard to get to where we are today and it's all been worth it. Um, that makes me also think about, sorry to interrupt, but it just makes me think also about how you reached out to the, the careers counsellor. Like you just took that ownership initiative and you're like, well, and you just, yeah, it wasn't easy yes. to be like, oh, what do I want to do? You didn't have the easy option of being like, oh, I just want to do this and then go and do it. Like yeah. you went and worked for it, like extra, like it was working for it to go get the degree. But before that point, to figure out what it was you wanted to do. Yes. No, we do. We work hard and we have like for the last five years of um, – six years of owning this business we have worked till uh night time and um you know gone a be up and above and beyond for our clients so yeah we we know that it's you, you're not going to get there unless you put the 110 percent in you know and you know um you've got to put yourself first because nobody else is going to so um you know you've got to think of yourself and and your future and you know make it happen and last question, what advice would you give to yourself 20 years ago um, out of high school, early 20s, whenever? What <laughs> what do you wish you could kind of go back and whisper in your ear? Mm, don't give up. You can do anything if you put your mind to it. Um, it sure won't be easy, but it'll be worth it. Charles Darwin University's Agricultural and Rural Operations team focuses on North Australian production and business systems offering current real-world knowledge and experience by delivering both full qualifications and industry-required short courses. Courses at the rural campus are designed to develop the skills required for work on a North Australian beef cattle property or in the top-end agricultural industry, while providing a sound knowledge base in the pastoral and or agricultural industries. They have dedicated staff who specialise in workplace training and assessment and recognition of prior learning. They will come to you and they service some of the most remote areas in the Northern Territory. Find out more at cdu.edu.au.